Hello and welcome to another installment of Conf T with URSE. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and today we're going to talk about ACI. Joining me today is my co-host, Brian Boyd. How are you doing, Brian? Excited to be here the day before a holiday, Brian. Yeah, we're recording this right before 4th of July, and uh, we also have a guest today, uh, special guest Joe Piperata. How's it going, Joe? Going very well. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. So we're going to be talking today about ACI. Uh, this is a topic that I'm not that familiar with. Uh, it's definitely in the data center wheelhouse, which is why we brought Joe here. And uh, of course, I'm glad Brian's here as well, as he is our local data center specialist here. So I guess we'll just start off with the, the, the first question here. What does ACI stand for? What is ACI? So everyone's favorite... Uh item in the, the tech industry of, is, of course, three-letter acronyms, so right. ACI. So what it stands for is Application-Centric Infrastructure. And the most important aspect of that, the most important word in that acronym is application. And what's interesting is you can think of it in, in two different ways. It's application-centric from a management perspective. So you have a, a centralized GUI that can manage one or more data centers. Uh, but I would say even more important, or at least as important, is the infrastructure itself becomes application traffic and policy centric. So it's, it's no longer about configuring individual switches. It's all about configuring how I want my infrastructure to function based upon the needs of the application or applications, what policies I want to enforce, how, how do I want one or more data centers to function? And that's uh, the two things we love to point out to customers. It's, it's not just about being application focused from a traffic and policy perspective. It is through and through application focused and application centric from a management perspective. Right. And that's something we've been seeing across the industry, not just in the data center world. Um, you think of SD-WAN, it's all right. template-based, software-defined. Mm -hmm. You think of DNA center and software-defined access. Um, even UCS, you know, we, I think we did an episode on, on that in Hyperflex with uh, right. the service profile templates. You know, no one wants to go line by line configuring something and then move on to the next switch. It's much easier to set your policy, set your templates, and roll it out from there. Right. And it, it, it's funny because I'm any of our listeners that have been listening since the beginning, they've come to kind of see the pattern that it's all about automation. It's all about intent. It's all about having one GUI or something along those lines to uh, control and configure everything else, right? Um, so application-centric in terms of both the, um, the policies and the infrastructure, right? Focusing on the application. This is going to be important in the data center because that's where the application lives. We want to make sure that the data center is set up in a way that makes sure that the application gets served up to the to the users in the correct way, in the fastest way possible, lowest latency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where ACI comes into play, right? Absolutely. And um, the other half of that is uh, topology changes. Mm -hmm. um, so we use the CLOS topology or spine leaf now, okay. where all of your spines are connected to all of your leaves, and none of the spines are connected to each other, none of the leaves are connected to each other. And the analogy I like to make, um, if I don't have a whiteboard in front of me, is 
that your leaf switches are like your access line cards on a, a campus switch or a, um, a chassis switch. Mm-hmm. Your spine switches are like the fabric modules that pass traffic between those line cards. Okay. And the, um, the APIC, which is the management tool, is very similar to something like a supervisor in that switch. Okay. So it's where you would configure things, change your policies, so on and so forth. Okay, so this isn't just a bolt-on software that we're adding on to make sure that the applications work. This is a complete topology overhaul. This is this is like a whole new religion. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's a hardware change and a, a software change in terms of the way you think about it. But um, it is all Nexus 9K based. Right. Um, so it will require a, a, a hardware refresh if you don't have those. Okay. But I mean, I guess that makes sense because when we're talking about doing something right, it's a difference of just bolting something on or actually building something from the ground up to be suited to to meet those needs. And we talked about in episode one where we kind of briefly touched on ACI for just like a half a second. But we talked about in episode one the difference between campus layer switching and data center switching and how different hardware is required for those different use cases because of how different it is. Uh, Data center traffic is going to be much more you know, heavier, but a lot more uh, a lot more smaller packets as well. We talked about that in episode one with mouse versus elephant flows. If you haven't listened to it, please go back and check it out. Um, but ultimately, we do need kind of a, a whole rebranding and a whole new way of looking at this. And it sounds like um, the different topology change with the spine and leaf as well as the ACI piece um, kind of fits that need. So, Joe, where can we... Where can we deploy this ACI environment? So there's two different ways to address that or to answer that. So the one thing we discuss with customers is obviously what what's the state of the existing data center or data centers? Are they in a situation where they have to replace core distribution, collapsed or separate layers, and a server access layer? The answer is yes in a lot of cases, but... It's not always the case. We've worked with customers who have relatively new or or completely new collapsed core distribution layers, uh, but they have a need to do something way different in the server access layer. Server access layer maybe wasn't refreshed at the same time as core distribution. Uh, They need to deliver that next level of throughput, functionality, services, et cetera, visibility, uh, another key one, uh, in the server access layer. So we, we want to make sure people understand that ACI is not only for situations where you have a holistic data center refresh. Uh, we've worked with many customers to create a right-sized server access layer composed strictly of ACI. So think of it as a, an ACI fabric, or it is an ACI fabric just for the server access layer. And we can easily connect that back into that relatively new or net new core distribution layer, which is not... ACI enabled. So we have those two scenarios, but then we have the the bigger picture of, okay, if I have ACI in my main data center, whether it's a a complete data center refresh or is it just server access layer, where else can I extend that functionality? And that's been uh, an amazing progression uh, over the lifespan of, of ACI as far as how we could deploy it, where it was applicable first, where it's applicable now. So we've progressed, uh, the, the, well, from the easy step, I would say, is multi-data center, right? And there's numerous ways to, to create a single policy and deploy it or enforce it across multiple data centers that are customer-owned. Uh, ideally, there's some, some high-speed 
uh, bandwidth between the data centers. Uh, there are various bandwidth requirements depending upon how you want your, uh, your customer-owned data centers connected together. But then we get into the other use cases. Can I deploy my ACI fabric into, say, a hosted facility? And the answer, of course, is yes. We have a solution called vPod, which allows a customer to do just that, extend that policy into a facility where they can't necessarily or, or, or are simply not allowed to deploy any hardware. So we can deploy a virtual instance of ACI in a hosted facility, allowing customers to extend their policy and enforce those same policies and, and obtain all the, the features and benefits of ACI in that scenario. Uh, the newest kit on the block is ACI in the cloud, uh, starting with AWS, but other cloud providers are planned and will follow on fairly shortly. But the power there, of course, many of our customers are looking to make strategic use of public cloud providers. What's been uh, promised uh, for a while and what we've delivered on recently is the ability to extend that ACI policy into a public cloud provider. The terminology, of course, gets a little different. So in, in the ACI world, we have specific names for the various constructs, uh, such as endpoint groups. Uh, but in the public cloud provider, they each provider uses a completely different set of terminology. Uh, so we provide to our customers, of course, all the documentation on if, in this, in a uh, private data center, it's called an EPG, but in AWS, it, uh, you refer to that same function as X. And we do that for all the, the various constructs. So we're basically mapping a customer's private data center into each of the uh, public cloud providers uh, specific functions and terminology. Uh, another interesting scenario is uh, what we call remote leaf. So I might have a situation where I do not want to deploy a full fabric in one of my facilities. Uh, we have an option to deploy only the leaf nodes, uh, essentially the server access layer in a remote location. So we're at a point where ACI is essentially applicable to any scenario that we've run into in our customer base. Right, because data centers aren't just in a one single location anymore. They're spread out. Hopefully they're yeah. If they're you know, partially in the cloud, partially on-premises, you know, there's going to be more than one. Right. The point is ACI can fit pretty much any of those use cases. Okay. Exactly. Very cool. Now, let me ask you this. So it, it seems like a, a real heavy lift to deploy this and, and to, to get it set up, right? It, it's not just a matter of ordering a few things and, and just plugging in a few numbers here and there and, and plugging it on and, and get, getting off and running here. When we're looking at comparing ACI to maybe a, a traditional approach, right, or a legacy approach to uh, connecting s servers in your data center, what are some of the tangible benefits that we can get out of an ACI infrastructure uh, beyond just being able to expand your fabric to remote nodes and into the cloud and stuff like that. Are, are we looking at uh, any sort of performance increase? Are we looking at any, any uh, additional capabilities there? So I'll, I'll tackle that one first. Uh, one of the key benefits and, and something our customers are after, given the fact that, you know, th think back to the, uh, the, the days when uh, IP telephony was, was new. There was a big, big push and a lot of emphasis on move ads and changes. All right, I can I can pick up my phone, I can move it anywhere, and lo and behold, it assumes the same identity, and there's really nothing else you have to do operationally. Uh, the underpinnings of ACI, uh, at least one of the key tenants uh, under the hood is VXLAN. 
VXLAN is a technology that allows for endpoint mobility and even more important, endpoint tracking. So whether it's a virtual or physical workload, things happen in data centers, right? There are data center events, uh, either could be automated, could be manual, uh, physical servers, probably not as much, uh, although certainly you could move a physical server and have it connected to another data center or another uh, leaf node or access layer in a data center. But certainly from a VM perspective, uh, we, from our meetings with our customers, it's, uh, it's fairly common for VMs to uh, not uh, run strictly on a single host in a data center. So the, the key aspect of ACI uh, with that VXLAN uh, underpinning is the ability to not just track an endpoint and understand where it is at any point in time, but to have that policy, whatever policy you've defined for that virtual or physical endpoint, it will be applied, it will follow, if you will, it will follow that endpoint wherever it exists in your environment. So from an operational perspective, there's no updating of configurations or, or anything even remotely close to having to make configuration updates or modifications when there's a data center event. So in, in that regard, you'll hear ACI referred to as a, a self-healing data center architecture, given that it, it allows that mobility, and even more important, or equally important, it allows the policy that's defined to follow that endpoint wherever it exists in the customer environment. Yeah, just to add to that, um, I would say ACI is the epitome of set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. um, I was just talking to a customer about two weeks ago who implemented ACI. And I'll be honest with you, uh, there was a lot of legwork getting it up and running. You're right. essentially taking your existing data center and you have to change your way of thinking about it. It's an entire paradigm shift in data center networking. But after he got it up and running and he invested the time to learn the new policies, learn the new constructs, he actually told me that he constantly forgets the IP address of, his, of the APIC, which is where you manage it, because he's in it so little. Hmm. He set it, he has the policy up and running, and now it just works. He doesn't have to worry about anything. Like Joe said, he doesn't have to worry about an event um, happening and he has to log in and you know add an IP address or you know add a QoS policy to a port that didn't previously have it. It just kind of does everything itself. That's 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 important. I, when Joe, when you were explaining that, I, I just kept kind of picturing in my head. It allows the data center to become more modular, right? You can kind of move those pieces in and out as you need to. If you need to move a host because you need more computing resources at this data center, you can do that, and your physical connections are going to just work, and the policies are going to be there, and that port, as you said, is going to have that QoS policy that wasn't there before. Um, and we've we've kind of been talking a lot, as I mentioned before about the intent-based networking piece, right? I've given the example before of ACLs that are, are not set correctly, right? Or let's say you set up an ACL for one particular subnet, that subnet gets larger because you're always growing, and you forget to change an ACL on one of the switches, and now it's not covered the way the other switches are. And now you have policy mismatch and configuration issues, and you can't figure out why something's working. I imagine it takes a lot of the headache out of doing data center changes and you know, adding servers, applications, et cetera, and not having to worry about the network layer because you just know it's going to work. Right, because you're not configuring individual switches anymore. You're configuring an entire fabric. Okay. And that does, it takes away all of the headaches that come with that. Very cool. So I know this wasn't really in our notes, Joe, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's the ideal customer for, for this kind of environment? I mean, who would benefit the most from this? Are these going to be... Um, 
Well, I'll just I'll, I'll leave it there. Who's going to benefit the most from this type of of, of change? Yeah, I like the uh, I like the question. Uh, I like the answer even better. So, you know, not to not to simplify it, but technically, it's a it's applicable in any size customer. Now, if the solution could only be composed of the largest switches in the Nexus family, uh, say the 9500 series, the answer would be much much different. The fact that we can create an ACI fabric with as few as four total switches, uh, of course, assuming redundancy. So two of them would be what we call the spine devices or spine switches. Two of those would be the leaf nodes. We have one RU options in the in that product family in the Nexus 9300 series uh, that allows us to deploy an ACI fabric in a very small footprint. And then someone says, well, what about these, these redundant controllers? Uh, we have two options there now uh, since we've announced ACI Mini. Those controllers can be three or more physical appliances, just one RU appliances. Or in the case of ACI Mini, we have the option of deploying one physical appliance and two virtual appliances. So we can effectively deploy an ACI fabric in as little as five RU, but that delivers full redundancy at both the spine layer, the leaf layer, and of course, the redundant management or the controllers, the application policy infrastructure controller. So it's applicable everywhere. We've, we've discussed it uh, many, many times, and it's been deployed many, many times in small uh, commercial territory customers, certainly commercial select customers and everything in between, and then of course, high-end enterprises. Uh, and again, it's the flexibility of that underlying platform, the Nexus 9300, the Nexus 9500 series, that allows that solution to apply to any size data center. Uh, one adjacent aspect of that is the fact that these switches are capable of assuming a personality that can either be an XOS base, so a traditional Nexus switch, or ACI. There are customers tied to what Brian had offered about again, it's it's a it's definitely a new solution, right? We don't we don't talk about it as plug and play. Once once it's up and operational, it becomes very, very plug and play and, and hands off uh, with lots of operational simplicity. But customer we want customers to have a, a certainly a, a nice level of comfort with the solution before they deploy it. You do have the option to deploy the switches in standard Nexus or NXOS mode, and then at some point in time, convert to ACI. Uh, not our preferred approach. Again, that is a because we're, we're activating and taking advantage of Cisco developed ASICs that exist on these switches. Uh, that is a disruptive exercise. If, if you had a, a weekend outage window, that is certainly something that is possible. The preference is to deploy ACI from the start. So we, we work with customers, we build up that comfort level via whiteboard discussions, presentations, hands-on labs, you name it, uh, even test drives from one of our ecosystem partners in the uh, training industry or the training market. So we, we ideally would build that comfort level and, and have them deploy ACI from the start. But again, there's a, a lot of flexibility in the platform uh, with not just the switch models, but also how it's deployed and where it's deployed. So thanks, Joe. I think that, that really went in depth into um, who would be a good fit. Um, one, I just want to bring it back to one of the benefits that we were talking about with ACI, which is zero trust in the whitelisting model. Uh, one of the constructs that we 
commonly talk about in ACI is contracts, mm -hmm. which is these two endpoints or endpoint groups can't talk unless I say they can. So it becomes, your entire fabric becomes a zero trust model or that whitelist model that we've talked about in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. So Joe, just to tie it back with what you were talking about, about who this would be a good fit for, if a customer is just refresh their network and they're not in the market for a hardware refresh, but they still want that zero trust or whitelist model, do we have something we can offer them in our portfolio? Yeah, great, great question. And of, of course, the answer is yes, given the depth and breadth of our, our data center portfolio. And, and we've seen those situations. Customer has that new core distribution server access layer, uh, ACI, not realistic, right? Our, our customers are looking for a five to seven year lifespan out of that type of infrastructure, if not longer. Uh, so th th that ship has sailed, if you will, for ACI in that type of scenario. Uh, when we run into those situations and when the focus is really on a collection of three key functions, certainly uh, uh, policy enforcement at the endpoint, we would actually look to our uh, Tetration solution, which just like ACI is available in many, many form factors, uh, physical, virtual, on-prem, off-prem. We would take advantage of the endpoint policy enforcement functionality within Tetration to deliver that segmentation or even micro-segmentation functionality for that type of customer. In addition to that, that best-in-class endpoint policy enforcement function, uh, they're going to get uh, best-in-class in-depth traffic and flow analytics. Uh, this has been used many, many times over to solve the, uh, or really to answer the question, is it the network, is it the application, uh, tetration through uh, the, the collection and uh, analytics that it offers uh, for uh, all the flows in an environment is quickly going to allow a customer to pinpoint where an issue arises. So, of course, we always start with it's it's the network's fault, something's going on in the network, uh, but titration gives them the, the ability to identify exactly where a particular issue is occurring, uh, whether that's between many users and uh, an application or a single user and many applications, you know, any kind of relationship there, one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-one. Uh, then we also have ADM, application dependency mapping, which is an industry unto itself. Uh, there are uh, solutions that attempt to only deliver on the application dependency, <clears throat> excuse me, application dependency mapping functionality, but we've built that into Tetration in addition to those other two key functions. And uh, a lot of customers, when they, they say, we want to move X to the cloud, when you follow that up with, what does that really mean? What are the bits and pieces? The vast majority of our customers do not have a way to identify the bits and pieces that they would have to move, if you will, to some other environment, a public cloud, for example. So application dependency mapping, is all about identifying all the interactions between all your virtual and physical endpoints. How does VM number one talk to VM number two? What ports, what protocols? Once you have that information, there are just an amazing array of things that you can do with it. For example, you know, plan, plan a migration of an application, whether it's uh, to another customer-owned data center or facility or public cloud. Uh, but that that's the basis for defining your policies. As a result of that ADM or application dependency mapping, I see these two VMs 
or physical devices talking on a port and protocol that maybe I didn't expect. I can use that information to tighten or lock down my traffic policy uh, from an endpoint perspective. So there's no other solution like it on the market. Tetration is the only solution that brings with it the endpoint policy enforcement, the next-gen in-depth flow analytics, as well as the application dependency mapping. Right, and this really only scratches the surface of what it's capable of. Um, with that information, you can start to do forensics in your own environment, who was talking when and why. Mm. Um, like Joe was saying, with the application dependency mapping, anything that has to do with auditing, you now have at your fingertips to prove that what should be talking is talking, what shouldn't be talking is not talking. Nice. Um, but obviously, we should go over this in much more detail in a different episode. Yeah, definitely. We do have some plans to go over Tetration as well as our security product, StealthWatch, which has very similar features in terms of looking in the network and looking to see what devices are talking to what devices and what ports and protocols. Uh, we definitely want to have a compare and contrast between the two. Uh, and the other thing I, we're actually going to be having uh, discussed on our next episode is going to be the Zero Trust model. Uh, we actually have a guest coming in to speak about that specifically and uh, where we're going to be deploying that within the entire network, not just on the data center side. So it's really fun going through all these technologies that we that we do here with the podcast. Uh, very unique opportunity to be able to kind of see how, really how much things come together and really look at the, the whole Cisco model of doing things. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to see it all come together in this, in this position. So we've talked about ACI and we've talked about Tetration. Is there anything else under that intent-based umbrella that we should be aware of? There is indeed. We have the third key component under our intent-based data center portfolio of solutions. So in addition to ACI and Tetration, we have the NAE, or the Network Assurance Engine, uh, originally designed for ACI fabrics only, but we do have plans to extend that solution to other fabrics. What that network assurance engine is all about, and the, the name does a pretty good job, uh, you know, another three-letter acronym, the NAE, but the name does a pretty good job of describing what this particular component is all about. And one of the key functions is the verification that my environment, my data center or data centers, are functioning exactly how I want them to. So not to reuse or overuse the word intent, but it, there's a policy or an intention of all traffic flows in the data center. The, the NAE is the, the watch guard, if you will, or the watchdog, right? So you know, Mr. End User or Mr. Network Manager, Ms. Network Manager, you, you configure this policy, here's how you want your data center or data centers to function. The, the NAE is the tool for verifying that. And when I demo that solution, one of the things that customers love the most is the ability to pick any two endpoints in their environment. Uh, you, you enter the, the two IP addresses into the GUI and you click go, uh, or you can even customize even further. You can, you can ask it, is, is this endpoint allowed to talk to this endpoint uh, on this port and this protocol? And it will instantly give you that answer. So from an audit perspective, uh, if someone says, prove to me that endpoint X cannot talk to endpoint Y, or prove to me that they can only talk on these particular ports and protocols, the NAE 
is the absolute best way to verify that or provide verification. In addition to that, and we, we talked about the operational simplicity of ACI once that fabric is up and operational. Uh, gone are the days of making a network change and hoping it doesn't have a negative impact. All right, so hope has never been a fantastic strategy in the data center. Uh, the, the, the advent of ACI and NAE integration eliminates that completely. So through the NAE, I can actually use the tool, use the GUI, to predict the impact of changes that I would want to make to my policies. So extremely important from an operational perspective. Uh, if you want to avoid unplanned outages, uh, if you want to avoid extra work during outage windows, uh, the ability to uh, use the NAE to predict the impact of changes uh, to an environment is very, uh, very impactful. Uh, then we also have resource verification or resource checking. Uh, so I mentioned earlier the the fact that there are A6 uh, under the hood that that allow the Nexus uh, 9300 and 9500 to be a, a key part of the ACI fabric. Uh, there's of course other physical aspects to a switch uh, between the interfaces, uh, queues. There's there's specific bandwidth tied to each interface, for example. Uh, but the NAE is the tool for resource checking, resource verification, uh, and utilization across all devices in an ACI fabric as well. Uh, so again, much like Tetration, it's, uh, there, there's three critical functions that it's delivering. So the resource checking, uh, the uh, proactive operations, and then the, uh, the ability to predict the impact of, of uh, network modifications or policy modifications. There are additional functions as well, uh, but those are the three key components of that third member of the intent-based networking portfolio. So we've talked about the three different pieces within Cisco and how they work together and kind of help each other and, and support each other. What kind of uh, integrations do we have with any third parties? We like to touch on this upon every every topic that we discuss, if there's any third-party integrations. So what, what do we have with uh, third-party integrations with ACI? And I would say that is one of the most important aspects of the solution and something that has actually been there from day one. So every data center that we see is going to have generally Cisco and non-Cisco, uh, right? We used to be in the load balancing industry. We're not in that industry any longer, but we partner with the key vendors in that industry. Uh, of course, we are uh, deep into uh, the firewall and IPS industry. Uh, but there are numerous third-party uh, solutions as well. We, we love when our customers are Cisco end-to-end. -end. Obviously, not always the case. Uh, so the ability to incorporate not just Cisco solutions uh, from a uh, firewall perspective, uh, but also third-party solutions from certainly load balancers and firewalls is something our customers have really come to appreciate. Uh, we have a fantastic uh, customer-facing full public site that details all the vendors that are uh, that are supported across load balancers and firewalls, as well as how do they integrate with ACI. So there are three different ways to integrate with Cisco and third-party solutions. Uh, many of those solutions support a specific type of integration. So effectively, what what you deliver uh, is a data center that that functions 
as far as traffic flows are concerned, exactly like it did prior to ACI. And by that, I mean, if communication from A to B needs to have a policy enforced, so we're doing that with ACI, but maybe you also need to subject that traffic flow uh, to a firewall uh, that is IPS enabled or traffic from A to servers B, C, and D, that needs to hit an intelligent load balancer, right? So ACI in that case becomes the traffic cop. ACI knows, okay, I see, I see the source as X, the destination is Y, that particular traffic flow needs to be redirected to a third-party load balancer just so, again, we're, we're handling traffic as it needs to be handled in the data center. Uh, again, that's something that's been there from day one. Uh, if I can mention another vendor by name, the, the very first third-party integration uh, was with F5 load balancers. Uh, when when ACI was released, the uh, what we call a device package, uh, that's just a, a very lightweight entity that allows ACI to communicate uh, with third-party devices or even Cisco devices. But that device package for F5 was ready to roll uh, the moment we launched ACI. Uh, and that's uh, certainly done wonders to enhance uh, the ecosystem partner relationship. But we also integrate with Citrix and A10, uh, even a few others in the load balancing space. And then, of course, in the firewall space, it's uh, integration with uh, ASAs, SourceFire, and then other third-party firewalls as well. All right, Joe. Well, thank you. This has been really enlightening and a big learning experience for me. Uh, again, Data Center not being one of my strongest suits, I'm glad to have you on the team and Brian as well. Thank you. Um, Joe, any last uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with share with us before we wrap things up? Absolutely. And again, th thanks for having me today. This has been great. And uh, Brian, thanks for, for your input as well. Uh, the, the key thing, how do we get started? How does a customer get started uh, venturing down that ACI path, then again, it all comes back to familiarity. Uh, first and foremost, you know, we, we can we can do a very short presentation. Uh, I think the the power is in the whiteboard session. What that allows us to do is diagram exactly how the customer's data center or data centers look today, and then graphically map that into an ACI fabric or fabrics, depending on on the scenario, of course. And show them exactly what's what that's going to look like, you know, physically. Here's your here's your new data center potential, uh, with as we just discussed, you know, layer four through seven service integration. Here's exactly what that can look like. Uh, but then we want to dig into the the nitty gritty of okay, what what is the what does the controller interface look like? How do you actually build the fabric, uh, maintain a fabric, create and deploy policies? So we could do that. We like to approach it with, with two different aspects. One is us delivering a demo, which which can be very powerful. That's for at least exposure to the GUI. But I think the real power is delivered through hands-on activity. Uh, that That's how I learn the best. I, I can I can get a lot of a whiteboard and a presentation and a demo, but that, that it's really hard to replace that hands-on experience with ACI. So we deliver that in two different ways. Uh, we have hands-on labs, of course, that we schedule for our customers and partners on a regular basis, and uh, we will be part of that process as well. So if any questions arise during the labs, we make ourselves available. Uh, but that is a fantastic way to get ACI exposure. And then we also have uh, what we call ACI test drives, 
across our various data center technologies, uh, Hyperflex, which I know you covered in a prior episode, for example. Uh, but across our data center portfolio, one of our ecosystem partners delivers test drives for our customers. Uh, these are either one or two day in-depth sessions that cover not just the technology, uh, that, uh, that is certainly an important aspect of it, uh, but they also deliver uh, hands-on training as well as part of that. So that, that is a, a great approach. It's a combination of those things to build that level of familiarity and, and get our customers on the right track as far as deploying and maintaining ACI. Awesome. Yeah, we, we, we say it every time. Uh, if you have uh, any interest in seeing a demo, doing some whiteboarding, test drives, hands-on training, please reach out to your Cisco account team and they will, um, they will steer you in the right direction. And if you're lucky enough to live in the uh, New England, greater New England area, Connecticut, New York, et cetera, maybe you uh, may, might get to speak with the illustrious uh, Joe Pepperada himself. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Joe. Brian, any, uh, anything, any closing thoughts? Yeah, not to beat a dead horse, but uh, even if you're not coming up on like a refresh cycle, I would still encourage you to reach out to your account team, get a demo of ACI, get some hands-on, see what it can do for you in your data center. Just because what we found is the most successful deployments are when the customer comes prepared, they have an idea of what the transition cycle is going to look like, and it does take some time. So, you know, software-defined networking is not going away. Right. It's going to be the future, so might as well start learning now. That's a really good point, Brian. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times when you're doing a hardware refresh on data center, at campus or whatever, you're not really planning it out very far. It's just like, okay, well, my heart, my hardware is going end of support or something like that. Quick, let's get something new in here. And it's not really thought out. But when you're switching over to this model, you really need to plan it out. Yep. So that's a really good point, Brian. If, even if you're not ready to do it now, it does not hurt to learn more about the technology, to learn more about the implementation steps that's, that are required. This way you can be better prepared and better informed. So thanks thanks for bringing that up, Brian. I appreciate that. And thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you'd like to suggest or you want to know Joe Pepperata's personal email address, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can get notified when we publish a new episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode and every episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.